Hello and welcome to the Estate Planners Podcast. My name is Anthony Brinkman and this is the place for will writers, estate planners and solicitors that are interested in learning the tips, tools and technicalities to best help their clients. This is episode two entitled The Fact Find. Over the years, I've seen many different fact finds and instruction forms and many instructions taken by will writers and solicitors and estate planners. The majority that I've seen have been on pre-printed forms with questions and spaces for the answers. I have seen a few instructions taken on blank pieces of paper, not recommended. A common problem that I observe with instruction forms is that the information they contain hasn't been written with the instruction taker in mind, but has been written with the drafter in mind. In other words, the the forms themselves, the actual instruction forms, have been put together by the drafters, not with the instruction taker in mind or instruction taking activity in mind. One of the most extreme examples that I've seen of this was an instruction form that started with the testator's name and address and their spouse or the partner's name. There's no space in the form for the telephone number or email address, I mean like anywhere in the form. And the very next question on the form was who was going to be the executor or executors of the estate. Now, can you imagine the appointment taking that format? There was space later in the form at the very very end to record some of the information about things like the assets of the estate there was nowhere to write the family members and clearly the drafter had put that instruction form together based on whatever software that they were using as that was the sequence the software would probably use the fact find and instruction forms if followed when taking instructions will of course structure the appointment itself or it certainly should structure the appointment itself. If you're sat with a client, you want that meeting to be logical in the questions that you're asking the client. A good quality fact find and instruction form should follow the exact same sequence. You don't want to be jumping from one piece of paper to another throughout the whole meeting or from one screen to another if you're taking down information digitally. You might notice that I'm distinguishing between the fact find and the instruction form and that's deliberate as you heard in episode one you need to have a thorough understanding of the client and their circumstances before giving advice and answering questions the fact find would therefore be the document that identifies information about the client prior to giving advice answering specific questions and certainly before taking any instructions So what information should the fact find contain? Well, let's start with the basics. You obviously need the contact details for the client in the first instance. Name, address, telephone number, email address are pretty standard. And it's helpful and respectful if you also find out the best contact method for your client too. Some prefer contact by email, some by phone, some by text, etc. The length of time that the client has been living at their current address can be useful. If they have lived there 
a long time, then the property might not yet be registered at the land registry. But second, it can also be helpful if you have to prove address. Uh, many companies require three years worth of addresses to be known. Finally, if they've lived in the house a long time, and it is the house where the client's children grew up, then there's going to be some emotional attachment to the house too. And that could be significant when looking at services such as property protection trusts. Next, you would want to get some general background information, such as their place of birth, their job, marital status, relationship status, any aliases that they have, etc. This information helps you to build a picture of the client more than anything else, and it helps you to understand their potential priorities when it comes time to taking instructions. It's also helpful to know what planning they already have in place. Do they have a will? Do they have LPAs or trusts or funeral plans or what have you? Moving on, you want to get a good understanding of the client's family structure, whether this is obtained by using a diagram or a family tree, or simply by asking for the specific relationships of their family. The main data that you need are names, dates of birth, the relationship to your client or clients. Make sure to also check if there are any other financial dependents as well. It's worth noting that clients can sometimes think that you're only asking for the family members that will be featured in the wills. So the way that you ask for that information should be considered. Suppose, for example, that the client has got a child from an earlier marriage that they don't have any more contact with. Well, you need to dig in a little deeper to establish if something like that is the case. Lastly, and as a general category, you need to know about their assets. Breaking this down, I would suggest that you should have a very, very good grasp of their current owned assets with clarity about who owns what. In other words, if you've got a couple, what does client one own? What does client two own? What is jointly owned, etc. For the sake of good planning, you also want to look at the possible future assets that the client may at some point possess. For example, life insurance. If your clients have a joint life policy and one passes away whilst the policy is active, then the other or the other's estate could significantly increase. Possible future inheritances, uh, death in service benefits, pensions, these would all be potential future assets. Then you have to take account of the liabilities that would reduce the estate. Mortgage, loans, credit cards, they're the obvious liabilities that the client might have. And with that, you then have a clear picture of the current and the possible future estate of your client or clients. Finally, in this category, you'd want to establish the client's income. Whilst it's not essential to the will or to the estate planning per se, if the income is particularly large, then it could be significant to the planning that you're doing. Or if it's particularly small, then it might affect remissions or exemptions from, for example, the Office of Public Guardian registration fees. At this point, you now have a very good grasp of the client's situation. You'll now be in a good position to advise on the problems that can stand in the way of your client's estate planning goals. However, there are three sets of circumstances where you would want to extend your fact find before giving advice. The first is where the client owns a business. A business is a 
fundamentally different type of asset, as it's an activity as well as something that has value. A business has got customers and suppliers and staff, contracts, agreements, ongoing responsibilities. Therefore, having a specific business owner's fact find is sensible. This should explore the structure of the business, whether it's a sole trader, partnership, limited company, LLP. It should establish the ownership of the business if there's more than one owner. Who's the company accountant? What's the turnover of the company? What is the actual business activity? What does, what does the business do? And then importantly to your role as the estate planner, what is the exit strategy? What does the owner have in mind as a way of exiting the business? Do they plan to sell? If so, would that be a management buyout or an open market sale? Do they plan to wind down the business, pass it on to a child or children or other family members? Bear in mind that this discussion and indeed this element of the fact-finding process may or may not be something that you're able to directly deal with as a will writer or estate planner or solicitor. It may be that you'll need to pass this client on to a more appropriate person such as an accountant or other lawyer to assist them with any company restructuring or advising them about how best to deal with their business in relation to the personal estate planning services that you can provide. The point at this moment is that you should be gathering information. The other thing to consider about business owners is that the will is going to deal with property that the client owns. So if they own shares in a company, those shares will be primarily governed by the memorandum articles of association of the company and any shareholders agreement. The shareholders agreement may, for example, prohibit the sale or transfer of shares in some fashion. Hence, the need to explore this subject at this stage in your meeting. The second extension to the fact find would be used when a client has an inheritance tax liability. In this situation, there are additional relevant questions that could affect the will writing process or could change the advice that you're going to be giving. Exploring whether the client is using their gifting allowances, for example, becomes relevant when there's an IHT liability. But it isn't really relevant if they don't. Other questions and areas to explore would be if they've given up the right to benefit from any property held in trust in the last seven years, whether they receive any benefits from trusts, and other questions that can essentially be obtained from the relevant current tax forms that relate to the subject. You can use the IHT 205 and IHT 400 forms to establish what questions you might want to include here. However, there's another element to this fact-find extension, which is the attitude of the client towards the subject. I recall having a client that had a distinct inheritance tax problem, but the nature of his assets meant that there, there might be some very smart solutions that could be applied to mitigate this. I did a whole bunch of work putting together a proposal that was going to include referral to a tax specialist and a financial advisor, both, both of which I knew he didn't have. And when I went back to see the client, I started going through the options and the concepts that I'd researched. And he kind of stopped me and said, look, I'm, I'm really sorry. I can see you've done a lot of work here, but actually I'm not interested in reducing the tax that my children might have to pay. It completely floored me at the time. And his position was that he believed that everybody should pay their fair share of tax to help the country. That was his, that was his opinion. And 
it was, uh, I'd done all of this work and that was a lesson learned. So you need to also dig into that possibility. How, how important is it to, for this client to mitigate inheritance tax? And what other concerns does the client have? How do they compare those concerns to any concerns they have about inheritance tax? What other financial goals does the client have? Use these type of questions to help you avoid the mistake that I made. The third and final fact find extension would be where a client has rental properties. Again, in this situation, the nature, ownership and handling of those additional assets might be significantly different to the other assets that the client owns. The questions that you need to establish here are what properties the client owns, how they're owned, what they're worth, when they were bought, whether they're owned with anybody else, whether there are any outstanding mortgages on those properties, etc. It's worth spending quite a bit more time understanding the goals and purposes of the client when they've got assets of this nature. And there you go, the fact find and the extensions to the basic fact find. With this information obtained, you're now in a position to correctly and comprehensively advise your client. To do so prior to obtaining this information is folly, as discussed in the first episode. Now, you may be thinking about how much time it would take to establish all of this information. I mean, this episode is probably going to be about 15 minutes long, and all I've done is just briefly skirted over the various things that should be in the fact find for you to actually go through that process of obtaining the information. Gosh, you could be there, well, quite some time by this point. Especially if you've not been in the habit of taking such a thorough fact find, that could be a little bit daunting. However, I think you'll find that even if you do end up spending quite considerably more time, the benefits in terms of the client's appreciation of the job that you're doing, the increase in the client's conversion to additional products and services, and the opportunities that you're going to establish to help the client in so many additional ways will be well worth the effort. And factually, you're far more likely to then spend a lot less time down the line explaining and re-explaining things, less time on amendments to documents, etc. I hope you found that useful. I should point out that I'm recording these first few episodes before I've actually chosen a, a hosting site for this podcast. So in future episodes, I might well be saying things like, uh, like and subscribe or ask me any questions in the comments or something of that nature. As I don't know how that's going to look right now, I can only really say that if you do have any questions or comments, uh, then I'm sure there will be some sort of facility on the, on the hosting site. I'm sure you'll be able to get in touch with me some way. Uh, I'm always open to communication if you do have any questions or comments or feedback. All the best until the next episode. I look forward to speaking with you then.